Away Elsewhere is a fictional travelogue. It started out as a series of postcards that I wrote to friends. My great aunt Mabel had been a world traveler and she had collected a number of postcards in her travels. And those postcards eventually found their way to me. So I had a stash of old photographs and postcards from Venice and England and all sorts of places. And so I started writing little stories on the backs of these postcards and sending them off to friends. And then this turned into journal entries. When I would go someplace, I'd, I'd write a little journal entry. But because I'm a fiction writer, they were never entirely true. I'd just lie about what was going on. The following are four short stories from that book. This is from Newfoundland. The Annual International Conference on Fog. I'm attending the 10th Annual International Conference on Fog and Fog Collection. I have no real interest or expertise in such matters, but I'm in St. John's as a favour to a friend. This friend who must, for obvious reasons, remain anonymous, is currently somewhere between medicine hat and head smashed in buffalo jump, if postcards are to be trusted. She has a noble forehead, slender fingers, moonlit skin, and a dilemma. She is a thief. And in Alberta, the days are long and the air transparent. She has planned a magnificent heist, which will require more cloaking than darkness alone can give. So I am here, collecting fog. I will send her a box of the condensed stuff. When the stars are properly aligned, when my friend has charted her in and egresses, when she has mastered her getaway backhand springs, she will open this box and spill out the fog. It will smudge the night and protect her, a heavy coat. I am keeping a small vial, a thimbleful. It tastes of cod, chanterelles, and beer. And because I've collected it with my bare hands, of me. The Deer Hunter, or The Ballad of Chuck the Buck. I have thrown an axe and struck one. The deer careened into the woods, flummoxed by pain and the strange stick protruding from its chest. On my knees, mending the chicken wire enclosure set up to protect an apple sapling, I have wrested a metal fence post from the ground, aimed, thrown and successfully impaled. Two by car, when no one was looking. But these kills were situational, spontaneous, passionate even. My usual methodology is systematic, clandestine. At dusk, I stalk the perimeter of my orchard with rifle and flashlight. The incandescent beam gropes the dark, that lover hungry for unclasping. With a silencer bought over the internet, I shoot. My aim is not suffering, but balance, the preservation of beauty. I am guardian of this orchard now. Predators serve a natural editing function, much as pruning does. Necessary violences in the cultivation of harmonious systems. The coyotes have all been killed by ranchers, and now the deer are legion, rubbing their nasty antlers up and down helpless trees, chewing on everything beautiful, 
There are no roses left around here. The hyacinths have been gnawed to stubs. Slatternly does, their bellies full, birth twins. The population swells unchecked. Gardens are fenced high because these deer know how to jump. Shooting was okay until bullets pockmarked houses where children lived and the locals said, no more. If you're going to the dump to shoot rats, that's one thing, but aiming across neighborhoods? Mm -mm. I am not lonely, though sometimes I wonder what it would be like to have a child, a young boy who could clamber up into the highest reaches of the cherry, the plum, the pear, the apple, and cut the dead away. I even bought a pair of tiny loppers, just the sort that he might use. My closest neighbor was an elderly woman, rumored to be a Holocaust denier, who sliced apples, store-bought, to feed the deer. One day, the old lady lured a baby, spotted and tottering, to her stoop. She claimed the deer was orphaned, though it hadn't been, not yet. She loved how the tiny thing followed her around everywhere, fawning, the muted trot-trot at her heels, the dry nose against her knuckles. The woman fed it, him, salad and milk, pretzels and nasturtiums. She had a squeeze box from the old country and played songs to the fawn, songs her mother had sung long ago. And then the old lady died. Recognizable by his one gimpy antler and unflappable, or daft, demeanor, Chuck the Buck, as locals called him, would walk on the side of the road and not flinch as cars sped past, achingly close. He had approached strangers, hoping for sliced apples. Some thought about the kind old lady when they saw him. Some thought about how kind they themselves were the kind of people who were nice to deer, who fed them apples. Puberty hit Chuck with a wild violence. Unable to tell the difference between humans and deer, he started mounting children, whose mothers got upset. The town was sharply divided, those who loved Chuck, who fed him apples, and those who called for his demise. Although I was quite sure I could get away with a daylighter, habits die hard, I waited for dusk. Instead of collecting the windfall apples, I let them lie. Surely Chuck would wander in from the road and nuzzle a black gilly flower or a translucent. He would feel at home so close to where the old lady had lived, at home chomping on the fruits of my labor, at home, goring trees that could not escape him. Twilight's on end, I hid in the blind, listening for breaking twigs, bent leaves. But Chuck was poached by someone from away, and the poacher was apprehended by the sheriff who sometimes cruises through town. The postmistress saw the hapless assassin tucked into the patrol car, she saw Chuck's stiff legs and crooked antler poking out from the trunk. He will not rot under the orchard now, in a midden toward the back. Nor will he deliquesce over the bank where the blackberries grow and a west wind froths the swells, salt water spray on the wild roses.
Chuck's flesh will not give up a miasma of stink to haunt the road for long summer weeks, as did the flesh of his poor mother. Instead, an incinerator, his ash, along with that of an abandoned dachshund, an aggressive spaniel, and a truckload of cats, will plume the sky. I am in a plum tree with my loppers, sticky work. My bare arms will be covered in tacky film when I'm done, neon aphids glued to my hair. I pick a bead of pitch from a string of them along a branch, jewels for the wounded tree. The thing contains a pale gold sun. Somewhere, an accordion. Somewhere, dark smoke. This next one is from Montreal. One bird. Memory, occasion, and song. Eine, Kleine, and Nachtmusik. We were three, twittering in our third floor triplex, paying rent to a landlord we never saw. We were as birds, swooping in unison through the city at dusk, landing wherever the crowds were matting. Sometimes a man would pass through our home, would see him tripping from the kitchen before coffee, out by daybreak. We were of an unencumbered age. They were Melissa's ideas, the parties. She'd say, what about Saturday? She'd get on the phone to everyone we knew. Her doctor had told her to stop picking her cuticles as it, the picking, could permanently damage her nail beds. You wouldn't otherwise take her for a nervous type. She taught dance, knew how to knit and make quince jam, and claimed she was a water witch. Just give her a twig and she'd tell you where to drill. Sylvia would decorate. She'd poke through dumpsters and dollar stores and come back with child-size gossamer wings, paper roses, a mendable piñata in the shape of a burrow, a series of Polaroids of an old man in a hat. The shopping fell to me. I'd come up with a mnemonic for the list, sometimes altering items to make for a more pleasing word or phrase. Athena, with her flashing gray eyes, fills a shopping bag with apricots, walnuts, hummus, fizzy water, gorgonzola, and endive. Wily Odysseus, wine and olives. Melissa had been washing her sheaves of hair for hours, and Sylvia was in the kitchen, spilling her toothsome voice into her cell phone. The internet had instructed me on how to wear a sari. I was now wrapped in the sequined turquoise that normally curtained my window. There was a war on. We had protested to no avail. The baklava hadn't worked out, and now the kitchen smelled of burnt honey. The man I had assumed was my boyfriend apparently was not. He lived in New York, when he visited me, he'd wanted to see where Leonard Cohen lived. He took a picture of himself in the Portuguese park there on Rue Marianne. Rue Marianne, like an imperative or warning. He was funny, always bursting into song and dance. Everything was a joke, like how lithium made his legs swell up so he'd stopped taking it. At any rate, he wouldn't be at the party. Melissa was running around in a towel when the first guests arrived. Our yellow rooms and narrow hallways crowded quickly. 
I liked them all well enough, the violist who limped, the grade two teacher who came with her newly adopted four-year-old. People I didn't know were rubbing all over each other. They wore toques and had long hair. Their jean legs dragged on the ground. They were barefoot. One of them smelled of patchouli. Another had a blue glow stick woven into her yellow dreads. Spliffs were passed without fanfare, mostly by those lounging on the sectional or sitting on floor pillows. The academic types stuck to standing and to alcohol and were clustered in a corner, taking turns talking about themselves. Sylvia and Melissa were passing around platters of figs and pomegranate seeds. Soon, somebody would ask Sylvia to sing. Somebody always did. She's also very good at noises. Once, as she was watering the dozens of broad-leafed plants she kept in the parlor, I came upon her doing a chainsaw. Maybe she'd been angry? I fear forgetting. Already I have lost some names from that party. Stéphanie, Paul, Marc, François, Dawit, Matteo, Louise, Jason, Vikram, Tony, Jen. I could tell you that Jen had a narrow face, ashy hair that frizzled like a shocked halo, and breath that smelled of chanterelles. But it's not relevant. She came to that party and a handful of others, then melted away. Around five in the morning, Melissa sent a giddy contingent out to get bagels. It was only a ten-minute walk. The bagels would still be warm. Black seeds, white seeds, mixing at the bottom of the brown paper bag. Somebody, Jason, threw up. He fell asleep, slumped in a kitchen chair, his sleek golden ponytail curled around his neck. Passing Jason, I was struck by a need for fresh air. I was the one who took out the trash, who knew how to light a barbecue, who remembered to change the filter on the antiquated furnace. You will, by now, have divined that I was the least lovely of us. I didn't particularly mind. Wine bottles littered the floor. I gathered them up into my arms, like so many blooms, and picked my way down three flights of icy fire escape to the alley. The moon was frozen in the sky, in the distance, I could see the loom of the city's mountain. I walked there often, even when it meant kicking through knee-deep snow or sliding on half-rotten ice. The bottles clanked and clanged, some breaking, as I decanted them into the recycling bin. The garbage smelled of sour milk and seafood. A strained coo nearby, down low, an insistent plaint. The orange street lamp at the mouth of the alley cast long bluish shadows in the snow. At the edge of such a shadow, almost at my feet, a dead pigeon lay, half flattened by a tire, the iridescent sheen of neck plumage dulled to gray. On its belly, on its broken wing, stood, keening its mate. Some call them dirty birds, rats with wings, but they marry for life and nourish their young with milk, pigeons do. And here she was, the wife, out in the deep freeze, pouring her sorrow into the dark. She stood fast as I climbed the stairs. I knew she'd be there until daybreak, maybe later. I imagined a man with swollen legs splayed out in the alleyway. I'm standing on top of him, I can't help but see myself in heels, 
pointy ones that sharply divot his long-sleeved designer shirt that he got for a song. He was always bragging about bargains. His face is a blur, because already I was forgetting. Feathers were starting to sprout from his skin. He had been hope, not love. I saw myself fly away from him up to the third floor landing, my hand turning the cold doorknob. Inside, the smell of warm bread, Sylvia's soprano notes swirling the air, Melissa's laugh crescendoing. The guests would eventually leave. We would sweep and wash dishes, then wander off to our beds, mine a cot heaped high with airy duvets. In the afternoon, we would wake and make strong coffee and perch together in the bay window, high in the twining limbs of the oaks that lined our street and watch fresh snow come down. Revival. The surfer from the homelands had a tattoo of the islands across his foot, arcing onto his ankle. To pin us on that map, you would stick his Achilles. When not surfing, Kamoe shoots feral goats, a hired gun. We talked about the recent school shooting, a slaughter of innocents. We talked about immigration, his grandmother's poi, and the best places to surf. We were poolside. I'd gone for a swim. The undertow at the beach beside us was deadly. As we spoke, an untended child knelt at the edge, reached for a stone sinking down through the water. A splash got our attention. Kamoe was there before I could think, hauling the drenched boy out. Saved. I'll be going now, Kamoe said. His church was down the road. Revival, said hand-painted letters on the sandwich board out front of the camp, tense within licking distance of shore. An obscured girl singing, a bare-bellied man looking through notes, rehearsing. A middle-aged woman had Jesus inked on her forearm and a flaming heart bleeding and radiant on her bicep a crown of thorns wrapped around her wrist. Clapping and hallelujahs, a joyful noise explodes the tense city. My grandmother loved these islands, loved lays and painted seashells. Quiet, orphaned, poor, alcoholic, she zigged and zagged between fat and thin. She married up, she took care of strays. She used to brush my hair. I am far from home. My compass will not quit its spin. But I know where I come from, and my dark hair is strong. I've been hauled up from the depths by it, winched by strange forces, kind strangers. <laughs>